0: Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit FBCPanamaCity.com. Now, here's today's message. Second Corinthians chapter number three. I'd like to preach on this topic this morning, behold the gospel, behold the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3, we're going to take one verse as our main text. We're going to dive into this verse, but um, you'll want to keep your Bible open uh, wherever you're looking at the text because we're going to be going backwards into our text some this morning and you'll want to follow along there as well. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, the Bible says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, Are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Let's read it one more time, just because it's a short text today. It says, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. This is God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the great service we've had thus far. And Lord, we pray now that as we study this text of scripture, that Jesus would be lifted up, that our hearts would be made into the image of Christ. Lord, help me as I as I preach this morning to preach with clarity and in the passion that your word deserves. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. To behold is to look at something, right? Essentially, it means to stare or to gaze at something. And the world we live in understands how powerful beholding really is. Um, We are marketed to on every side that if we do certain things or purchase certain items or or go to certain places, we'll have a specific kind of lifestyle and be a specific type of person. We are convinced by the things we see on the news or we watch on television or what we look at in in uh, magazines, newspapers and books. Who reads magazines? What am I even saying? Um, We're told in these, these ways that there are certain ways to think and behave according to societal norms. We freely and willingly give away our time and attention to sources that are built on thriving, thrive on us beholding. According to a CNET article that came out earlier this year, in the year 2021, United States uh, uh, adults spent 4.1 hours a day on mobile devices and 3.1 hours a day watching television. Seven out of the 10 minutes people spent on mobile devices were spent on some form of social media. And in all consumers logged more than 3.8 trillion hours on their mobile devices in the year 2021. We spend hours and hours every day beholding something. And we live in a world that knows that oftentimes what we stare at is what shapes us. Or as John Piper said, beholding produces becoming. As a follower of Jesus, though, there is something much higher, something much greater, much more meaningful than anything the world could put before your eyes. And that is is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and the person and work of Jesus Christ and all that Christ has done and is recorded in his word. My question is, do you make it a regular practice to behold, to gaze at, to stare at the gospel? Do you spend time each day diving deep and into into the unfathomable depths of the gospel? Is your time-consuming media equal to your time diving deep into the gospel? Do you intentionally set the gospel before your eyes and just behold it? Because when we set out to behold the gospel, our Christianity is transformed and our lives are made completely different. And in our text chapter here, Paul makes the case that beholding the glory of Christ in the gospel changes us into the very image of Jesus Christ. So our text first, it shows us two things here that we're gonna to study today. First, we must behold Christ's glory in the gospel. Behold Christ's glory in the gospel. Now, the way our text opens requires that we go backwards to understand what Paul is talking about when he says, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory Of the Lord. Back in verse number seven, Paul actually takes us all the way back to Moses and to the law of Moses. He begins by asking a question If the ministration of death was so glorious that Moses had to cover his face with a veil, how much more glorious is the ministration of the Spirit? Now he's hearkening back to Exodus 34. In Exodus 34, Moses comes off the mountain, the children of Israel are like, dude, something is different. His face literally was glowing because he had been in the presence of the Lord. The glory of the Lord was shining off of him to such an extent that he had to put a veil on his face. He says there in verse seven, that they could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. He'd wear a veil over his face just so that they could look at him. When he would go speak to God, by the end of Exodus 34, you'll see this. When he would go speak to God, he would remove the veil. And when he would come back and talk to the people, he'd put the veil back on. It was truly an amazing demonstration of how great and glorious God is that this man would even be in God's presence. His face glowed. And at the end of verse seven, look what he says here. He says uh, that they could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. At some point, the glory of the ministration of death or of the law of Moses was to be done away with, removed, it was to be gone at some point. And from verse seven to verse 10, he reiterates that the ministration of death, as he calls it, or the ministration of condemnation is glorious, but that something was coming, its glory was to be exceeded in what he calls the ministration of righteousness. So he's making a distinction between law and gospel. Now, he's not downplaying the law. He keeps saying the law is glorious throughout. If you go back and read it, and just for the sake of time, we're not going to actually read all these verses. He keeps saying that the law is glorious. He says that the law, it it was a glorious thing. The sacrificial system was a glorious system because it pointed to the day that a substitute would ultimately come and be the ultimate sacrifice for sin. The Levitical priesthood was glorious, but it was only a temporary glory because the it was a, a priesthood that kept man from having direct relationship with God and it is in the law that we see the glory of God, the holiness of God, the severity of God, the, the significance of how short we fall because of our sin. He even says in Romans 7 that the law is holy, the commandment is holy and just and good. The law is a glorious thing. It's wonderful, but its glory was never intended to remain. It was to lead to another greater glory. In verse 11, he states that, for that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. That what is whatever it is that comes after the gospel is so much greater. He emphasizes the law is glorious, but that the law could not and cannot ever compare to the glory that was to come in Jesus Christ and in his gospel. So he continues, he says, that when Moses spoke to the Israelites after receiving the law, he'd put a veil on his face. And this veil was symbolic. The text says that it was a veil, a spiritual veil on their heart. When he would cover his face, the Israelites could not see the glory of God that made his face shine. The Israelites, according to verse number 15, still possess this veil on their hearts. And only Christ, according to the end of verse 14, it says, which veil is done away in Christ. Only Christ can remove this veil that they may see. Now verse 16 says, nevertheless, there is a veil on their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, that veil shall be taken away. When their hearts turn to Christ, the veil is removed. When a person turns to Christ and not the law, the spiritual veil is lifted from their heart by Christ. They are no longer blind. They can now see the true glory of God in the gospel. And now when you read this, you you read these verses, you see, okay, this is definitely talking about the Jews, but by Paul opening verse 18 with, but we all. This application reaches far beyond the Jews, but to the Gentiles at Corinth and to us today. We are spiritually blind. There is a veil on our hearts that only Jesus Christ can remove. And when we turn to the Lord, he takes it away. According to verse 17, we find true liberty and freedom. The law, as glorious as it was, could not provide liberty for anyone. There was no freedom in the law. It was a binding law. Any trespass of the law, if you go back and read Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, how many times do we read, if you transgress this law, there's death. Maybe it's not your physical death, but death of at least a sacrifice. Under the law, there was a lot of doing, a lot of performing, a lot of trying and behaving. But now in the gospel, there is liberty from this bondage. Paul says in Romans 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There is freedom from the penalty of sin. There is freedom from the need to do because now in the gospel, it has been done. There is freedom from the stress to always behave because now we are called to simply behold. We now see the glory of of Christ in the gospel. The law, however glorious it is, pales in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Comparing the law and the gospel, Jonathan Edwards said that the glory of the gospel, quote, eclipses the glory of the law as the stars disappear when the sun ariseth and goeth forth in his strength. And now that the veil has been removed, now that we have found true liberty, our text says, We all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, without the veil on our heart, we can actually behold the glory of the Lord. Now, this face, this phrase, beholding as in a glass, explains how we are to view the glorious gospel. It's the idea of gazing at something. It's not a quick glance. It's an extended gaze. It's not the mirror that's by your front door that you do a quick glance at as you walk out to make sure your hair's right and you don't have something in your teeth. This is a mirror you stare into to get a better idea of exactly what you're looking at. And it's in this glass that we are beholding the glory of Christ. James tells us, whoever looks in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. We sit and we stare and we gaze deeply into the gospel because it is only there that we behold the glory of the Lord. The Lord's glory was revealed to us in the law, but friend, it is so much more glorious in the gospel. Because you see, in the law, the glory of the Lord is seen in the future promise of a substitute. But in the gospel, the glory of the Lord is seen in the life, death, and resurrection of our substitutionary Savior. In the law, the glory of the Lord is seen in the failure of humans to keep the law. But in the gospel, the glory of the Lord is seen in the great law keeper, fulfilling all of God's righteousness for us. The law is glorious, but the gospel exceeds it in glory. And it is now this gospel, the gospel that has saved our souls that we must gaze and stare deeply at. We see the glory of the Lord most fully revealed here and we must never take our eyes off the gospel. We must sit and stare and focus intently on the glory of the Lord in the gospel. Now, this is the opposite of what we are told to do in our world. We must fill our days with activities. We must, the the greatest fear of the 21st century person is boredom and silence. But you wanna see Christ? Sit silently and behold the gospel. The danger here is to be set free by the gospel, but never stare and gaze deeply at the glory of the Lord in the gospel. It's a danger because as Jared Wilson put it, we are often preoccupied with small things. Can you tell me of anything greater than the gospel? Though then anything else is a small thing. Let me ask you, what have you been beholding? Where do you find yourself staring and focusing deeply? Are you gazing deeply into your relationships? Are you looking at them to bring some measure of glory into your life that they cannot bring? Are you staring at your money? Are you looking at your finances and your wealth or lack thereof to rescue you each day? Are you focusing on your own personal happiness? Are you looking at, Your own self care and self concern as the be all, end all of your life? Are you beholding notoriety, respect, recognition? Are you looking for other people to validate who you are, what you do, and what you have done or have been through? Are you staring at your time? Are you looking for ways to manage your time that serve your purposes over the purposes of God? Are you focusing on politics, nations, and governments? Are you looking for the good old days of God and country to come and satisfy your soul? All of those things are small things. What's got your gaze? Friends, brothers and sisters, behold the glory of God in the gospel. The veil has been removed, the glory of God truly revealed and now we have the humble honor, privilege and responsibility to behold the glory of God in the gospel, do you? Because when we behold Christ's glory in the gospel, we are made into Christ's image. This is interesting As we behold the glory of Christ in the gospel, something remarkable happens. Our text verse says this. It says, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. There's a transformation taking place of us when we gaze deeply at Christ in the gospel. Or as we quoted earlier, we realize that beholding produces becoming. First, we see that we're changed into the same image from glory to glory. These words are changed are in the present passive that then this teaches us two things. I love this so much. The present teaches us that this is something that's happening re- in real time, right now today. And the passive teaches us that this is something happening to us. It is being done to us. So right now today, as we behold the glory of Christ in the gospel, we are being changed. And we're not being changed we're not changing ourselves. We're being changed and we're being changed into the same image that we are gazing at. This morning, if your significant other was looking in the mirror and you walked up and you looked at what they were looking at in the mirror, did it change your image? If it did, I'm freaked out a little bit. Somehow in the gospel, as we look at the image of Christ, that changes us. As we behold the glory of Christ in the gospel, the very image of ourselves is being transformed into Christ's image. And we're being changed in the same image from glory to glory. Now, as Moses' face reflected the glory of the Lord as he spent time in God's presence, our image will be transformed from glory to glory as we spend time gazing at Christ in the gospel. And interestingly, Moses' glory was fading. It was passing away. It was to be done away with. But as the believer gazes at the gospel, the glory of God reflected in the image of the believer does not diminish, but increases over time. This phrase, from glory to glory, can be translated from one degree of glory to another. It indicates forward progress as we behold the gospel. But how does this happen? The end of verse 18 says, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Jesus told us in John 16, that when the spirit of God would come, he would guide us into all truth and that he would glorify Christ. First Corinthians tells us that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So as believers, we receive the spirit of God who dwells in us. And it is the work of the indwelling spirit of God that drives this transformation. As we behold Christ in the gospel, the spirit reflects Christ in us. The theological term would be sanctification. We are being changed every day into the image of Christ. The more we stare at Christ in the gospel, the more the Holy Spirit changes us. The end game of beholding the glory of Christ in the gospel is being made into the image of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gospel all the time around here. And maybe you wonder, move on to something else for Pete's sake. You literally cannot, if you want to be made into the image of Christ, behold the glory of God in the gospel and watch the Holy Spirit transform your life. So as we see the glory of Christ in the gospel, how does this happen? How are we changed to reflect his image? This seems like super nebulous, right? Like, man, that's fantastic but how do we do it? It happens by the power of the Spirit as we see the fruit of the Spirit coming from our lives, as we learn to kill our sin, as we grow in awareness of our sin and we confess and repent, knowing that Christ will forgive us, as we in 2 Peter 1 teaches us, as we add to our faith by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And over time, slowly but surely, we are transformed to reflect the image of Christ. And how do we learn all of this? as we seek him in the scripture. As we go to him in prayer, as we both read and hear the word of God, as we meditate on the truths of the scripture, the Holy Spirit is doing a transforming work in our hearts. Oh, you may not be able to trace. It may not be something you can plot on a map, but I tell you, friends, if you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you will see him change you into the image of Christ. Are you actively intentionally surrendering to the holy spirit every day are you walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh is the fruit of the spirit evident in your life when you sin do you hide it or do you confess and repent do you seek by the help of the holy spirit to live holy unto the lord are you actively seeking christ in the scripture do you pray these are, these are, they sound so, so rudimentary and they, they sound like they could be simple things that you can just put down on a list. And as you go throughout your day, you can just check it off and think, I did it, I did it, I did it. I've marked off my boxes. I'm becoming like Jesus. But these spiritual disciplines are nothing more than rote routines if they are not led and powered by the Holy Spirit. True change happens as we behold the glory of Christ in the gospel and the Holy Spirit over time, reflects the image of Christ in us. Friend, gaze at the gospel because the gospel changes everything. So my question is, do you feel like your Christianity has stalled out? Do you feel like no matter how much you try, you don't seem to be growing? Do you get the sense that something is just off in your Christian existence? Could it be that you haven't stopped and gazed at the glory of Christ in the gospel in quite some time? Could it be that rather than yielding to the spirit and allowing him to transform you into Christ's image, you've been quenching him? Is it possible that you need to behold the wonders of the gospel again. Because the greatest remedy for a soul that has grown cool and complacent is to behold the glory of Christ in the gospel. The Puritan preacher Richard Sibes, he said this, the very beholding of Christ is a transforming sight. The spirit that makes us new creatures and stirs us up to behold this savior causes it to be a transforming beholding. A man cannot look upon the love of God and of Christ in the gospel, but it will change him to be like God and Christ. If you look at your Christian life and it seems stuck, behold the gospel. Behold the glory of Christ in the gospel. I'm having a very, very hard time communicating to you how absolutely significant this will be in your Christian life. I can literally take you back to two, three years ago when the Lord started to work on me about this idea of being focused on the gospel, beholding the glory of Christ on the in the gospel and how much life it just breathed into my Christianity. We, we take the gospel and we put it on the bottom shelf so that unbelievers can grab it. And then we think it's our responsibility to start reaching up to top shelf Christianity. And that's what makes us grow. Friend, if you're deep in theology, but you don't know Jesus, it doesn't make a difference. If you don't pick up the gospel and wonder at it, (laughs) I mean, I don't know what to tell you. The gospel is so amazing that that Jesus died for you, that he rose again for you, for your justification. Don't get past that. Stay right there. Because you know what we're going to sing in all of eternity? Worthy is the lamb, not not worthy is the theology textbook I studied, not worthy is the church activity that I did. We will sing worthy is the lamb that was slain. We will never get past the gospel, not even in all of eternity. So don't do it now. Get up. No, 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 Go home today and sit down and take this book that God gave you and read it and say, Whoa! That's the glory of God. And let the message of the gospel change your life. You want to see Panama City transformed? Gaze at the gospel. If every Christian person in this room made it a determination that nothing else would capture their gaze quite like the glory of the gospel, we could not account for all that God would do. There's no way we could. If we think we are past it, then I I am scared to death of what that could mean. But if we will just slow down and just behold the glory of Christ in the gospel. You may not notice it tomorrow or the next day, but I tell you, Christ will change you. Friend, behold the gospel. If you don't have anything else rolling around in your head after you leave today, I hope it's that little phrase Behold the gospel. And tomorrow morning when you pick up your Bible, and I hope you will. Behold the gospel. And when you're sitting in line at Starbucks waiting for whatever fruity drink you get, take that time to behold the gospel. And when you're sitting at dinner with your family, make that time a time to behold the gospel. When you come to church, don't just talk about the weather. Don't just talk about politics. Wonder together at the gospel. And I'm telling you, friends, we ain't ready for that. God has so much in store. He will change us into Christ's image if we will just behold the gospel. for listening to this sermon from fellowship baptist church come visit us at 2501 michigan avenue panama city florida for more information check out fbcpanamacity.com have a great week